Welcome to King's Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about King's Church, visit kcnyc.org. Well, welcome to King's Church. God is doing an awesome thing here. And uh, we love babies, especially the Koyeas babies. I actually referenced Psalm at the end of this message. And so be, be prepared. Um, Galatians 2, 1, we're continuing our walk through Galatians, but we're stopping kind of, I'm kind of jumping off script a little bit. This is Vision Sunday, and we're going to talk about the things that God has for us as a church, specifically as we move into 24, and the exciting things I just want to talk about, vision for a little bit first, but I just, to remind us, King's Church, what are we about? We're about building big Christians. That's the theme, that there are lots of people that go and sit in a pew on a Sunday morning and put in their time, punch the time card for God, and they're like, I'll see you later, God, but that is not sufficient. And we've seen very large churches grow with very small and anemic Christians and our culture be taken over by darkness, and yet big Christians grow. Big Christian, big churches grow and our nation continually gets darker and darker. So what's the problem here? It's not the size of the church that's the problem. It's the size of the Christian that's the problem. Like whether it's 10 people or 10,000 people, it's not that matter, that size that matters. It's the size of the person sitting in the seat. God, am I living for you? Am I building something beyond myself? and my Netflix account, and my food, and my whatever. God, am I living? Jesus prayed it in the Lord's Prayer that the kingdom of heaven would come on earth. The center of the Lord's Prayer. Lord, let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And that's what the deal is. That's the plan. That's what we're doing. God, would you build the kingdom of heaven in New York City? God, while I'm alive, while I'm living, while I'm here, I want to build something lasting, something eternal. I don't want to run my race in vain. Like, there's all kinds of vanity. Ecclesiastes talks about it, right? All the time. Vanity, vanity, all is vanity. Chasing beauty is vanity. Chasing Wealth is vanity. All these things are vanity. But if you're building the kingdom of heaven, you're building something lasting and eternal. That's why Jesus says, store up for yourselves treasure where neither moth nor rust can destroy. Pour your strength and your resources into the kingdom of heaven. So we believe by, we're doing that two ways here at King's Church, uh, in spirit and in truth. We believe to, we need to be grounded in the historical orthodox creedal fundamentals of the church, which applies to sexuality, which applies to marriage, which applies to basic morality. Uh, and then also we need to be filled with the spirit of God. I don't want to just be right and angry. Do you know those people that are right and angry? I want to be filled with the spirit and life and goodness and power of God. Both of those things. Look at this, Ecclesiastes chapter 9, verse 10. Whatever you do, do well. For where you go, the grave, there will be no work or planning or knowledge or wisdom. Ecclesiastes is a fun book. It's, a, it's for, for the days when you're sad. To be more sad is when you read Ecclesiastes. <laughs> The um, ESV, I think it says this, whatever you do, whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might, for there is no work or thought or knowledge or wisdom in Sheol to which you are going. Whatever you find yourself to be doing in this level, whatever race that you're called to be running, run with the fullness of your heart. Like the devil would love nothing more than a bunch of anemic 
tiny Christians to do nothing but show up on church on Sunday. We don't need more of that. We have plenty of that. We need people that run their race well. That God, everything that you've put in my hand, my work, my church, my family, my relationships, with all my life, I'm going to pour myself out. Uh, you know, and one, of the, one of the fun parts of screw tape Letters, and you probably know this, C.S. Lewis is like, it doesn't matter if uh, C.S. Lewis, the demon, um, Wormtongue, is saying to the other demon, I can't remember the guy's name, he's like, it doesn't matter if they become a Christian, they'll probably do nothing like most Christians. Because this is like this fundamental thing that was just disappeared as I turned. <laughs> Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with all your might. Like, you're a Christian, be a Christian with all your might. Be a terrifying Christian. And that doesn't mean you just scream at people in the subways like we do. <laughs> that doesn't mean only that. I mean, that means crush it at your job. That means make millions of dollars. That means build the kingdom of heaven. Uh, Carlton, who is in the first service, he's, he reads a, a book a week because um, he retired at like 30. I don't know if you know that. He retired at 30. And if you're bad with your finances, he's going to be doing a finance class this January. So sign up for that. Um, and he sent me a book about a a guy that works in large machines, caterpillars, those kind of massive machines. And he says, like this, he's had this conflict inside of him. Like, I'm, I love God. I'm going to church. I help out. But I just feel like my secular life, I'm not doing anything to God. And he has this moment where he says, God, please partner with me in my business. And the guy goes from, you know, making it to making $100 million a year and tithing 90% of his salary to the kingdom of heaven. Missions all around the world, building the kingdom of God on earth. And that is an example of running your race with all of your might. And I want to do that. And I want to live that kind of life. And it's not about a dollar amount. It's about a heart amount. It's about how much are you leaving on the table Paul says, I don't want to run my race in vain. And we've been through Galatians. We know the context historically. We know specifically what's happening here. We know he's underpinning, undergirding his argument for the gospel against the Judaizers. We're very familiar with what's happening. But I want to just focus on, are we running our race in vain? Or are we building something long-term? Um, I had this experience when I was 12 years old. I was running in this gym. It was pitch dark in the auditorium. And I mean, like, pitch dark. I could not see my hand in front of my face outstretched. 12 years old, I was in a karate class, my first ever karate class, and all of these kids were just running through this auditorium. And I was like, do they have some kind of ninja power that I don't yet, you know, have control over? The answer was no. And so, because I start running through the gym with all the kids and smash head to head another kid. The, the concussed feeling, that dizziness, that got like sick to your stomach. It's the hardest I'd ever been hit in my entire life. Uh, in order to run your race, you have to have vision. You have to know where you're going. Proverbs says that where there is no vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. And there's a principle here. And part of the principle is if you don't have a vision and know where you're going and pursue that end, for us, it should be glorifying God, expanding the kingdom of heaven, pouring our lives and actually seeing something beautiful and majestic and artistic and lovely, something that we would give our hearts to, a place 
for our children and our children's children. And I think what's happened in the church in America, we've been so caught off guard, especially primary evangelical church, about like the world is ending, rapture stuff. It's like there's no more vision for your future. And so there's no more constraint for your behavior. There's no God's house for you in the future. You're going to, you know, the Damascus is going to get run over and the river is drying up and all of this stuff that sells fear. Where there's not vision for the future, people stop building. And this is one of the reasons Christians have basically pulled out of academia and let that be consumed by the secular mind, uh, pulled mostly out of business and let that be mostly consumed by the secular mind because they haven't had a vision to take over for the kingdom of heaven, be big Christians, run their race well. So you have to have vision and action. You have to have, uh, I see where I'm going, God, and then you have to have consistent action that follows this. I told the first service, like, if you have a vision to be married, hopefully you do. We champion marriage and family at this church. It's one of the things, bizarrely, that makes us unique in New York City. Like, have kids, get married, have a family. It'll be really fun, trust me, you know? And it's hard because, you know, everybody's like a unicorn, triple gendered, whatever, shooting heroin in their eyeballs and a vax in the other eyeball. And you don't like, you don't want to be married to that person. <laughs> and so oftentimes we're like, I have a vision. I want this to happen, but I'm just kind of waiting around, just kind of sitting in church. Like, no, you need vision and you need action. You know, you have to have both of those things. And if the action you're taking right now is not working, you got to try new action. Like I said to the first service, like try eHarmony out. I hear it's good. They didn't have it when I was a kid, but now they do. I hear it works well. Give it a shot, you know? If it, the person's a weirdo, please don't get married to them. Like figure it out. You're an adult. But my point is vision plus action. And if it's, you're doing the same action over and over and you're not getting results, change your action. Trust God. But you have to have a vision. You have to know what you're going. In the kingdom of God... Family, flourishing, and multiplication is God's vision for his people. If you see smallness, terror, uh, escapism, that is not God's heart for his people. <laughs> like, like 80, 70, God's judging Jerusalem, smashing them into dust killing a million people that rejected Christ, AD 70. Titus surrounds Jerusalem and destroys them. And you know what's happening with the church of Jesus Christ? It's exploding. Moves out of Jerusalem. Uh, it starts exploding around the world. They're, they're getting persecuted. It's still exploding in growth. The kingdom of God is never to run away and hide. The kingdom of God is not to have a bunker out in the woods with lots of AR-15s. And if you want to do that, please give me the address because that's okay. But it's not the plan of God. <laughs> the plan of God is your multiplication, your flourishing. The plan of God is that the church is glorious tomorrow. The devil's plan is it shrinks, hide away, do nothing. Listen, <laughs> I voted... New York City last week. Anybody, let's, anybody else vote last week? This is probably better stats than most churches. New York City, across New York City, 2% of our city voted. 2% of the voting population voted in New York City. If the church voted, we would be in power and we would then be able to pass righteous laws. 
and guys that are defending innocent people on the subway by crazed lunatics wouldn't go to jail for the rest of their life. Wouldn't that be nice? Church doesn't vote because it's living in this isolationist mentality. It's lost its vision for the future. We have to have a vision and we have to take action and run towards it. And God has incredible vision for his people and blessing in store. That's, that's his paradigm. That's the paradigm of his blessing. The Old Testament is the paradigm of his blessing in the New Testament. It's both, both. He didn't change who he is. He didn't change who he is in the New Testament. And the New Testament shows up. He's like, okay, no more blessing other than spiritual hardship. <laughs> no, God's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Is there hardship sometimes? Yeah, of course there is. We're not stupid. But God wants his people to be blessed. Let's check this out. One day, uh, Genesis 27.1. One day when Isaac was old and turning blind, he called for Esau, his older son, and said, My son. Yes, father, Esau replied. I am an old man now. And Isaac said, Isaac said, and I don't know what, when I may die. Uh, take your bow and your quiver full of arrows and go out to the open country, hunt some wild game for me. Prepare my favorite dish and bring it here for me to eat. Then I will pronounce the blessing that belongs to you, my firstborn son, before I die. This chapter 27 is a lot about before I die. That phrase is used very often, and I love it, because like you're going to die. <laughs> you're going to die probably sooner than you think. And the, the way I know that is because everybody I know that's old thus far has died. You know? So it's like, it's very likely that you also are going to die. You're going to die. And there are things in the heart that want to be done before we die. And here in this story, um, Isaac is like, I want to bless my children before I die. I want to bless my son, Esau, specifically before I die. I want to pass on the blessing. You see, uh, in the Old Testament, in that time frame, the firstborn son was considered the one that was really blessed of God. He breached the womb. He had this massive blessing, and uh, Isaac wanted to bless him. He wanted to eat an incredible meal, and then bless his son, which is, I think, a great way to go. You know, if you're going to die, eat a great meal, bless your son, die. You know, there are worse ways to go in this life. I was going to make a myocarditis joke again, but I refrain. What do you want to do before you die? Rebecca wanted Jacob to be blessed. And so look at this. Genesis 27, 5, but Rebecca overheard and she said to her son, Jacob, listen, I overheard your father say to Esau, bring me some wild game and prepare me a meal and I'll bless you in the Lord's presence before I die. Now, my son, listen to me, do exactly as I tell you, go out to the flocks and bring two fine young goats and I'll use them to prepare your father's favorite dish and take the food to him so he can eat it and bless you before he dies. I was having a hard night. I told this story last week, but I was having a hard night. It was 14 years ago. No, it was, long. yeah, it was about 14 years ago. And I was about to head to law school. I left ministry. I'd been a uh, staff pastor at this church and I was going, leaving and I was 30 and I was going to law school. And uh, I was standing outside and looking up kind of at the heavens, just confused. Lord, what are you doing with my life? Did I fail? Is that the reason you're sending me here? I don't know what's happening next. 
And uh, I felt like the Lord asked this question to me inside of it. Like I said earlier in service, like when the Holy Spirit speaks, he speaks internally. I heard this question, what do you want for your sons? And I remember uh, that was an easy question to answer because I want awesome things for my sons. And I started to say, well, I want my sons to be uh, healthy, obviously. I want them to have an incredible life. I want them to be blessed. I want them to be heroes where they go. When they go places, I want them to be the heroes of the room. Like people look to them and say, that's my son. I say that. Other people say, that's his son. <laughs> That when they go places, they're humble and they're strong and they're brave. And it's not like their life is always easy, but they have challenges and they overcome them and they become heroic. They're blessed by the hand of God. They walk in the presence of God. They're dangerous. They're not wimps. They're strong. And all of this stuff was coming out of my heart as I'm, as I'm hearing this question, what do you want for your sons? And I could hear God's resp response as soon as I finished and he said, that's exactly what I want for my sons. And I, think, I think Christianity has been uh, so em emasculated that to be a great Christian means to suffer and sit quietly in righteousness. And it's like, that's not the blessing of God. That's what a sad, pathetic man conceives of as righteousness. Suffer in quietness. I think the blessing of God is taking over the territory of hell and establishing the kingdom of heaven. I think it's like what Jesus did. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. That's why he came. And then he establishes us, the church, Christians, who are little Christs, who are following his footsteps. Why are you here? To destroy the works of darkness, to expand the kingdom of heaven to walk in the blessing of God, the favor of heaven. So Jacob gets the blessing. He's, he, you know the story. He gets this, you know, the porridge, the soup, the foie gras of the time, whatever it is, he brings it in and he gets blessed. But it's a, it's a funny story. Let's read it real quick. So Jacob, 27, 27, went over and kissed him. And when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, he was finally convinced and he blessed his son, and he said, Ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of the outdoors, which the Lord has blessed. From the dew of the heavens and the richness of the earth, may God always give you abundant harvests of grain and bountiful wives. And may many nations come and be your servants. And may they bow down to you, and may you be the master over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. And all who curse you will be cursed, and all who bless you will be blessed. The blessing of God is pretty phenomenal. I love this, um, the verse 28, talking about the fatness, the incredible abundance of God. I think for most Christians, they walk through their life, you're like, I think God's probably that good, but I don't deserve that kind of blessing. You know, like maybe the pastor gets that kind of blessing, or maybe the guy that fasted like 72 days last month, that was the blessing he gets. But for me, normal guys making mistakes, stumbling, just trying to hold on, not for me. Blessing, that kind of blessing is not for me. This, is, this story in Genesis 27 is one of the most incredible pictures of the gospel in the Old Testament. You see, if you, if you remember the story, Isaac is blind or going blind. He cannot see, and so he can only sense that it's Esau another way. And Well, let's read it real quick. So Jacob went over and kissed him, and when Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, 
He was finally convinced and he blessed his son and said, ah, the smell of my son is like the smell of the outdoors which the Lord has blessed. Do you know, in Christ Jesus, those of you who have faith in Christ, you walk through the earth with the aroma of Christ before the Lord. You do not smell like the world. It doesn't matter what you stepped in. (laughs) I was wearing the coolest outfit the other day, a couple of days ago. I was wearing my yellow slippers. I mean, just, it was so good. And I was on the phone and I stepped in some foul New Yorkers, not dog cleanup area, you know? And I just stepped in it and there's these guys all standing there and they all at the same time went, ooh. (sighs) When you come before God, you don't smell like what you stepped in. When you come before God, you don't smell like the world. You don't smell like your mistakes. You smell like Christ. Look at this, 2 Corinthians 2.15. For we are to God the pleasing aroma of Christ among those who are being saved and among those who are perishing. We are the pleasing aroma of Christ. See, when Jacob comes to his father, he's covered in his brother's clothes and these goatskins that are covering up his identity. When we come to God, we're clothed in Christ. He doesn't see your mistakes. He doesn't see your past. He doesn't see your problems. He smells the aroma of Christ. And he reaches out. It says this in Galatians 3, you are the sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourself with Christ. And this picture of the gospel, <laughs> I'm reading uh, my acquaintance, Dennis Prager. I'm reading, I was reading his Jewish commentary on the book, and they're so confused by a chapter like this. What could it mean? Why is there so much deceit here? I don't understand the story. Moral quandaries abound, was the quote in his commentary about this book, about this story. But if you see it in the prophetic lens, it shows us, the deceiver, the broken one, the sinful one, covered in the identity of Jesus, that we would be blessed by the hand of God the Father. And what's the blessing? The blessing is phenomenal. The blessing is crazy. Verse 28. From the dew of heaven and the fatness of the earth, may God always give you abundant harvests of grain and bountiful new wine. (laughs) From the fatness of the earth. This represents what you don't need. This is not your bare minimum needs. This is not a New York City quinoa diet. This is not the impossible burger. This is the fatness of the earth. This is more than you deserve and more than you need. It's an overflowing picture of the abundance of God. I wrote a song years ago, and it said, and you give me cake, wine, bread. And that idea of God giving you more than you possibly can need. That's the heart of God for you. And if you believe in Jesus and have made him Lord and Savior of your life, you can't say that's not for me because God wants to pour it out on his favorite son and you're wearing his garments. From the dew of heaven 
and the fatness of the earth. May God always give you abundant harvests of grain and bountiful new wine. The dew of heaven represents the daily mercy of God. It's a beautiful and poetic phrase, the dew of heaven. It's used all throughout the Old Testament, and the dew of heaven was essential in this land, in this time, in uh, the ancient Near East. They didn't have irrigation. Their agriculture systems were dependent upon the dew of heaven in both the morning and the nighttime that God would come and bless their crops or else they're all going to die. The dew of heaven represents the daily favor and grace of God in your life. Every single day blessing the work of your hand. Every day. So we're such a deist culture. We've been so deceived by evolutionary mechanized ideology that God is far away and we're here just trying to make it. This understanding of God was that daily the dew of heaven in the morning and the night was blessing your life by the presence of God. Daily he's with you. He's working with you. He's functioning with you. He's not far away to bring blessing to bring an abundance of grain and new wine and the fatness of the earth. Of course that's what I want for my sons. Are you crazy? Wouldn't that be what you want for your sons and your daughters? The fatness of the earth? You thought it was going to be a Psalm KS reference right there, but the fatness reference is for later <laughs> for Psalms. <laughs> Psalm is the fatness of the earth, actually. <laughs> Haggai 1.9 says, you expected much, but behold, it accounted to little, and what you brought home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, uh, because my house lies in ruin while each of you is busy with his own house. Uh, <laughs> this is a brutal scripture. You expected much, and behold, it amounted to little. God, I was going to show up in New York, and I was going to be something. Like I, had, I, I knew I was supposed to be there, God. Or oh, I showed up at this job. I know you called me. You expected much, but behold, it amounted to little. Or look at this. And what you brought home, I blew away. That is terrible. Because I've had that experience. I don't know if you had. Like, I finally got it. It's finally home. And it's just dissipated. And what you brought home, I blew away. God blew it away. Why? Declares the Lord of hosts. Because my house still lies in ruin, and each of you is busy with his own house. With this temporal house, not the eternal house. The house that lasts for eternity, generation after generation. Building the kingdom of God, expanding his family, growing his church. Therefore, on account of you, the heavens have withheld their due, and the earth has withheld its crops. And the blessing continues, verse 29. Many nations will become your servants, and they'll bow down to you, and may you be the master over your brothers, and may your mother's sons bow down to you. Ah, funny little phrase here, because it says your mother's sons. And if you remember the story, there are not sons. You know, one brother has one brother. He doesn't have many brothers. One mother has one other son, not many other sons. But this is another prophetic phrase that represents... Uh, the brothers that uh, represents Christ and his brothers bowing down to him. Because the scripture says, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and Lord of lords to the glory of the Father. 
And this is a, a, an ultimate or penultimate prophecy of Christ in his fulfillment as they bow down and he comes in the fullness of his kingdom. And so one of the, my favorite things about this very large blessing of God is that it's not very specific in the sense of, he doesn't say, Jacob, listen, you have to um, play baseball and you have to be a shortstop. That's my ultimate plan for you to be a baseball shortstop. And if that doesn't work out, then you missed it. Or Jacob, uh, you have to go to this city and get this exact job. And like Christians think the will of God is so incredibly narrow But this is actually how it works. The blessing of God goes everywhere Jacob goes. The blessing of God is on Jacob with everything Jacob does. I'm not talking about in sin. I'm not talking about rejecting God's basic order. I'm talking about pursuing God, loving God, and then, Lord, what am I supposed to do? What's in your heart? Then do it with all your might. What vision have I planted you? Take action. Pursue it. Partner with me for the building of the kingdom of heaven. And then let me bless it with the fatness of the earth. It's one of my favorite parts. It's not like, you will be blessed if you go into ministry. You will be blessed if you take this job. Being blessed in Christ Jesus by God the Father is walking and partnering with God in our whole life. Saying, God, take my whole life. Take my marriage. It's been a disaster. I haven't partnered with you there. Take my marriage. And then allow the blessing of God to come. God, my my business life has been crazy. I've been broke. Give it to God. Partner with him. Expand his kingdom. Partner with God, the things that he cares about. And so my question for you as um, a member of King's Church or a visitor is, what did God put in your heart? What vision is in there? And are you pursuing it because you're going to die? And what God wants for you is far more abundant than you can possibly understand. Even when I read these phrases, you're probably like, nah, I don't know about that. God has that much goodness for you. And so I want to just transition here because I want to talk about what I feel like the vision for our house, King's Church, is in the next season. And... Look at that vision slide. Man, how great is that? I mean, I made it. So that's why I said that. Okay, next slide. (laughs) What are we going to do in the next season? Three main things we're going to do. First, we're going to plant. Uh, We're going to continue to support Charleston King's Church First Plant, which officially launched last, well, a few weeks ago. And they're doing awesome. We're hearing great testimonies from God doing amazing thing. And then we're going to continue to support Tulsa, our awesome King's Church community in Tulsa. Dylan Jones right here. Let's give him a hand again. We love him. We're going to take steps towards planting uh, King's Church Prison Campus in Westchester County. And so very excited about it. We will need 40 volunteers from King's Church. 40. Uh, not every Sunday. <laughs> and we don't need you to break any laws to be in that prison. Just, <laughs> just Sunday morning visits only. <laughs> but we'll about five to seven every Sunday will go and be a part of that service and be with those ladies at that prison, and we're very excited. We're, gonna, we're hoping to, to launch our prison campus in the spring. Um, next, we are going to 
sign on as we are right now negotiating our flagship King's Church space downtown. Currently, we're negotiating at the Trump Building on 40 Wall Street, and we are in, we're moving floors. We were just at the 11th floor, and then our size church for the sanctuary size we needed was too big, and so now they're trying to shift floors and then bring us back a new offer. And so we're very excited for that. Um, and that will be our, our flagship, and then we will continue to plant more churches around the nation. Um, and they're very simple, not complicated. Truth, classic, historic, uh, spirit, filled with the life of God. And then do something for God. Stop arguing about tertiary theology and do something for God's sake for God. Build the kingdom of heaven here on earth. <laughs> Pretty simple. Next, grow. This is what we're doing here locally. We're adding additional staff. Um, we're going to build out pastoral and spiritual care this year in 24, and we're going to prepare for more kings. I've had a few babies in my life. I, I didn't bear them, but you know what I mean. My wife had the babies. And I remember when we had the first baby, Leon, uh, and as soon as Bethany became pregnant with Leon, we started buying stuff. It was so weird. Like, he wasn't even there yet, kind of, not really, but you know what I mean? He wasn't in the room yet, kind of, he was, not in physically. <laughs> and we started buying things. We were like buying child seats, and we had this really great little binky bib thing. So if he threw up, it would go into it and catch it, right? It was a brilliant idea. And he wasn't even there to throw up into anything. We were buying things. We were preparing for his arrival before he got there. And as a church, uh, we believe that God is continuing to grow us as a church. If you look around, I mean, we're, the church cannot grow past this amount of people in the room. It just won't happen. And so we need new space, which is what we're doing. But we also need uh, additional staff to pray, to be pastoral care, to be with you at the hospital to be all, all of those kind of things. And so we're going to grow our staff as a church to do that, to prepare for more baby kings growing into big Christians. Amen. Yeah. And then the third thing, uh, the third main thing is that we're going to shape. Uh, we're continuing to produce King's Worship. We have a few tr tracks out now. The, the recent one that we just put out a few weeks ago has 50,000 spins on, on Spotify and then tens of thousands on YouTube. It's awesome. And so we're just going to keep being faithful and sowing into King's Worship. We have three songs that are coming out in the next two months. Um, we're going to do evening college course starting in this next semester. Continue street evangelism, something that we do that's exciting. It's going to be a part of our church forever. Amen. And then finally, we're going to sow into art, production, and digital media. We've had the opportunity as King Church. We have hundreds of thousands of plays online. Our podcast is growing. Our digital presence is growing. I've been able to speak to a couple of million people. I get asked to be on the news every couple of weeks. The Lord has opened a really unique door for us in the world of news, media, politics, that kind of space. And I have found that the primary voices uh, in that space are not actually Christian voices. Uh, and if they are, they're not very clearly Christian voices. Not that there's not Christians. I have a lot of great friends that I love dearly that are in the space that are Christians, but that are trying to be uh, a biblical voice in the space. Here's what's happening in the world. Here's what God thinks about it. Like, what's happening in Israel and Palestine? Here's what God thinks about it. Like, hey, how about those Palestinian riots where they're tearing everything down and lighting things on fire? Hmm, maybe the bad guys. I don't know. You know, like, actually be able to look at these things from a biblical worldview. 
without being Zionists. That's another point. That's another message. We won't go into that this morning. And so we are going to, as a church, begin a news show called Lucid News once a week, starting this Friday, our very first news show that we will produce from King's Church. And it will talk about every week what's going on in culture from a biblical worldview. And our plan is to supplement the church. We're not trying to be better than anyone else's church or any of those things. We're saying the church doesn't... You remember 2020? Like, remember how confused the church was the whole time, right? Like, running around in circles, falling all over each other. Who do I bow down to or kiss or what? Give me all the whatever. We have to have a godly perspective on what's happening in our culture. A biblical perspective. Not a partisan perspective. A biblical perspective. I don't care if you think you're a Democrat or a Republican. I care that the word of God guides and defines your life. And if it doesn't, you have bigger fish to fry. So we're going to start shooting this uh, this week. And we're going to have a show. And we're going to have, at the end, a testimony of God doing something miraculous and marvelous in somebody's life. Because really what we want is the kingdom of heaven to grow. We want to talk about news and culture so Christians are oriented to the world around them, but we really want people to get saved. I believe uh, we're going to see a million people get saved through King's Church, while I'm alive at least. And so that's going to happen. Um, Yeah, you can clap if a million people are getting saved. I don't know if I'd clap if a million people were going to get saved. Maybe. (laughs) So we're going to continue to grow that, and um, we are actually going to produce more digital media. We're just going to increase our digital media production significantly because there is a platform that needs the truth of God's word, his goodness, his simplicity, without getting um, into stupid, idiot, uh, ditch debates, staying centered on God, his simplicity, the goodness of his word, basic morality, and then how do we use that framework to navigate the world around us? So, planting more churches, doing more stuff. Uh, I, I think we were talking about judgment a lot this summer. The judgment of God, uh, the chaos in America, transgender surgery, the abominations to God. And I was talking about judgment, and what I was saying is that God judges the nations, and he still judges the nations, and he destroys people that set themselves up against him in his way. And his son. It's just what he does. It's called how God rolls. <laughs> and then I realized in the last couple of weeks, just this just beautiful thought. I think I heard it from somebody or I, it changed when I heard it. So, but it's not so for the people of God. The left is suicidal. They, they, they've destroyed marriage. They've destroyed identity. They've destroyed business. They're, they destroy things. They kill things. It's just, that's what the devil does. He, ki- he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And when you see killing machines, you can know that's the stamp of the devil. That's his fingerprint on that. But God doesn't do that. God multiplies and expands. And what I believe is going to happen in the culture, in the United States of America, in the next 50 years, and you can call this prophecy or speculation, whatever you'd like, I believe the left and the systems of the left are going to crumble and die. The judgment of God is coming upon them, and they're going to crumble and die. And I I don't believe the hyperbole of the conservative pundits 
that we're all going to die and the left is going to win and we're going to be put in, you know, uh, work camps. I don't believe that. I believe that we, the Christians, are going to thrive and multiply. And if that's going to happen, we need to shape the future of the kingdom of heaven here on earth, partnering with the Holy Spirit. Family, beauty, God, country, truth, art. You remember like the last 30 years of Christianity? Jeff, you probably remember this. Christian art has been horrific. I mean, it's true. Christian movies have been trash, just the, the worst. They're getting a little bit better now, later. They're getting a little bit better. But, but we gave up beauty and art and, and all of these things. We stopped, so it's like we lost our influence in all of those areas. We had logic down, but we lost the ability to tell a story. We lost the ability to paint a picture. Everything's either a lion or a lamb. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, we lost that impulse. Nothing wrong with lions and lambs, Lord. Just say this. Nothing wrong with lions and lambs. But the systems of the left are so evil, they will collapse and destroy themselves. And we will need believers that create art and beauty and hold fast to truth and cling to multiplication and Jesus being the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And as the city of man falls down, which is exactly what happened in Rome, as the city of man collapses under darkness, the kingdom of heaven rises. And that is what's going to happen in the United States of America. And we are going to participate in the shaping of that future for our children and our children's children, that they will have a land to live in that loves the God of our fathers once again, that lifts up Jesus Christ as king and victor, that does not run away and expect the rapture in five seconds and loses its vision for a place for our sons. Stand up with me. I want to share something. Worship team, you can come up. I wrote this kind of vision phrase, and um, I'm going to share it with you. It's a little salty, so I don't think I'm going to put it on the website or anything. But um, let me read it to you. You don't, have to, you don't have to read it with me. I just want to read it to you. It says, it wrote this. It said, the left is dying. They have rejected God and cursed Christ. They will dry up at the root, stand under the judgment of God, and repent or be destroyed by his hand. But it shall not be so for us. We are the people of God. We will remain. We will build the city of God, cling to Christ, champion truth, protect beauty, celebrate fat babies. That's the psalm reference. <laughs> Produce intoxicating art. Live in the presence of God and flourish in the courts of our King. That's the future for the people of God. That's the future in the house of God under the blessing of God. And that's what we're going to do. And in three weeks from now, we're going to take a vision offering because all of these things take resources. Um, the, the, the place in, on 40 Wall, the down payment is $300,000 for that. The prison ministry is about 75K. We spent about 75K launching Charleston. And guess what? I want to sow into something eternal and lasting. I want to sow into something that's not running away and hiding 
I want to sow into a kingdom that's multiplying, that the blessing of God is over. Why? Because it's not because it's better or we have better ideas or we're smarter. It's because we're covered in Christ. We're clothed in his presence. The aroma of Christ is coming after us. And the blessing of God will be over our heads. And as the world crumbles and these systems crumble, God's kingdom is going to grow and expand. And you're going to be a part of it. That's vision for 2024. It may take more than a year. I don't know, Dylan. We'll see. It may take. Yeah, you can clap. Come on, church. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for vision. God, we thank you that you're a good God and you love us and that we've been covered in your blood and that we bring the aroma of Christ when we come before you. God, would you use us to expand your kingdom, God? that we would have lives that are poured out, that we wouldn't run a race in vain, Lord. Stir our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen, church. Hey, thanks for listening to today's podcast. Acts twenty twenty seven says, For I have not hesitated to proclaim the whole counsel of God. And that's something that we're trying to do at King's Church. We're trying to steward God's word and share it to a generation. If you want to partner in us sharing the whole counsel of God's truth, please text KCNYC to 77977 and partner with us here at King's Church to get God's message, his whole counsel, all over the place on podcasts and on radio and around the world so believers like you would be encouraged. Thanks.